Welcome to Hunting Influence, a podcast by Influence Hunter. We share stories from those that have it and those that leverage it to help you develop what we believe could be the most important skill in business right now, influence. I'm your host, Aaron Kostinets. Hey, Cosette. So to start off, uh, I know TikTok has been kind of how you acquired most of your fame, but I'd love to hear about your first experience with social media uh, and what you did to start out on social media at uh, any point in time. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, Erin. So glad that we finally got to do this. I, I, I've basically been surrounded by the social media industry for most of my life uh, in an indirect way. So my parents are both fashion photographers in New York City, and they met through modeling. So when I was born, I kind of was put into the modeling and acting industry immediately. So I was doing commercials and campaigns like when I was before I was one years old. Uh, so I, I basically was always around the camera uh, in a way in an extent to which I was portraying other roles. So I was never really portraying myself, if that makes sense. And so I was signed with Wilhelmina, which is one of the top modeling agencies in the world. And I was signed with them for the majority of my life until I moved out for college. But when I was about 14, I was named the brand ambassador for Wilhelmina. And that was really my first uh, experience with social media because I actually took over the Wilhelmina Kids and Teens YouTube channel. And I created a series of videos highlighting uh, different modeling tips, Q and A's with the people, aspiring models, and posting those YouTube videos was probably the first experience that I had in front of the camera, portraying myself as opposed to a role. And I really started honing on my social media skills then, and that's when I started a fashion blog. So I started a fashion blog, and along with that, I launched a jewelry line, which seems like so long ago, but. I was about 14. It was named Cosette Style and my blog was catching up. And as my parents are both fashion photographers, I was able to use that to line up a bunch of shoots for different outfits and then schedule out posts while I was in middle high school. Uh, and that's really like probably where I started taking social media in a serious extent. For me, I was a teenage girl. All I wanted was free clothes. So I used my blog audience to reach out to small Etsy shops and work with them on a very small level, like, oh, send me a few free outfits and I'll do a blog post for you. And in hindsight, that was like very, very early on in the social media world. I mean, it, it was probably about like six, seven years ago. And so that whole world and the world of collaborations was very foreign to everybody. But once I got into the whole college application process, I had to put those on the back burner because I just truthfully did not have any time to apply to, I applied to 17 colleges and like interview at all these schools and then also still be running a jewelry line and a fashion blog. And although it was a huge part of my life, it was really more of just like a side hobby. And it really launched my whole interest in social media. At the same time, I was also, uh, the clients that came in and out of my parents' studio, I would speak to them and I was managing around like 14 different Instagram accounts for Broadway actors and uh, models and actors on soap operas. So I was really just, I mean, at very small rates, I was learning social media, quite frankly, like through experience and being like, hey, will you trust me to run your Instagram account? Okay, cool. I'll charge you like $50 a month to do this. Uh, and yeah, so then when I got to college, it was kind of a reset for me in terms of like, I had taken a break from social media since applying to college. And uh, I, I kind of went in with a blank slate. So my first week at USC, I actually met Markeon Benamou, who's a very successful Facebook creator. And 
he was launching this club called Reach, a social media club at USC. And yeah, I met him in the first week and I can talk more about that later. But that was really like my second, I don't know, it was like my second birth of my social media interest. That's amazing. That's pretty crazy that you were doing all that at just 14 years old. Were, were brands uh, receptive to that when they knew your age, when you're asking uh, you know, them for free stuff or asking them to run their Instagram accounts? Was that ever a factor? That's the tricky thing because I even find now, I mean, I'm 20 years old and I'm a female and by the look of my videos online, I seem very like innocent and young and Disney-esque. So I do at times find it difficult for brands to take me seriously. And, you know, like I have the experience working with brands and working on the agency side uh, through internships and like small freelance jobs. So I have the ability to speak to brands the way that they understand. But even so, I've always found it difficult to kind of approach that. And the way I wrote out when I was 14 years old, I still have the draft email in my notes, but I wrote out a template of uh, an email that I would send out to a million different brands. I think I was sending around 50 emails a day. It was insane, the volume at which I was sending these emails. But it was really like for every 100 emails I sent, I would maybe get like, 10 responses to those 10 responses, I would work with one brand. So I really had to be persistent because I had such a small blog at the time, but it's all about providing value. And for me, I thankfully had my parents as photographers and they were 100% so supportive of me in the fact that I would approach brands and I would say, we could deliver these photos. I could give you you know, exposure on my blog. And so the value that they got out of it was free photos to use on their social media and then also a shout on the blog. And at the end of the day, it's it's a lot easier to get brands to be receptive when all they have to do is send a few free shirts. But now as you kind of graduate into the social media world, it's like, okay, this is my rate. Let's go through the licensing. But at that time, all I was out for was the free clothes. And so I think that made it a little bit easier for brands. Definitely. And you also did it at a time when probably not everyone knew the value that they could get from influencers, whereas now it's a little bit well known. So you had that blog. When did you kind of start trying to build your own, um, you know, personal brand on like Instagram? Or what was your experience with that? Yeah, so when I had my blog, I took it very seriously. And I was it was something that I was very, very passionate about. And I was at the same time trying to build out my Instagram slightly. And I think I gained like my first bulk of following through being the brand ambassador for Wilhelmina, and also this blog. But at the same time, like, uh, my blog was not big at all. It was a very small, like boutique, if you say, <laughs> blog. And it was really just like, I'm so grateful for that because it allowed me to have the experience. But I wouldn't say I like really took Instagram seriously until I got to USC and I joined Reach. And um, how did Reach kind of help you uh, with your Instagram following? And what kind of stuff did they do to help you out there? So Reach is... It's a wild ride. It has like single-handedly completely formed my USC experience for the better. And what Reach basically is, for those of you who don't know, it is a social media network on campus, uh, currently just at the USC campus, but building out to different colleges and universities around the nation. But it is a network of social media creators, uh, you know, whether they are photographers, models, bloggers, app developers, like people on the business end, but also people in front of the camera. And what it really helped me do is just build these relationships and really be motivated to be posting. Because when I first got to USC, I had kind of been out of the social media game for a little bit. And I wasn't really motivated to do any posting. But I so immediately found like a great family of people on campus that 
you know, we would shoot videos at meetings, we would meet outside of classes and shoot videos. And it's just like, I think it's great to have people around you like that, that motivate you when maybe you don't really like you're working on classes, and there's a million other things going on in your mind. But to have that group of cheerleaders and like, you know, people who can hold the camera for you and help you make these videos and act in your videos is definitely uh, what probably helped me to motivate me more to take social media more seriously. Yeah, it's awesome. Always good to have like like minded people who are trying to do the same thing. So when did you start on TikTok? Probably pretty recent as it's, you know, the platform's still relatively new. Yeah, I started on TikTok, uh, as crazy as it sounds, December 2018. So it was my sophomore year. And I really just started out, it was very early on, like nobody knew what TikTok was about. And it's really funny because I, when I first started on TikTok, I got a lot of weird reactions from people around me in my life. Like my sisters were like, what are you doing? I had a lot of friends around me that were like, what are you doing? And now all of a sudden everybody's on TikTok and they're like, I wish I was as early as you were. But I would say, although TikTok is pretty, is still fairly new. Uh, I started on pretty early on, like pretty early on when it became TikTok. Yeah. I mean, December, 2018, I feel like it wasn't that big in the USA yet. When did you know that this was something that was really going to catch on for you and that this was a real opportunity as opposed to just, you know, maybe a hobby to fool around on? So I was really just creating videos uh, for the fun of it. I downloaded TikTok just as a way to feel comfortable posting my videos somewhere and create content that was allowing me to express myself. And I got a good reaction from it. And I would say when I hit 100,000 followers a couple months in, that was like, probably the most telling moment for me, like seeing that. And then immediately, the day I hit 100,000 followers, I met with the TikTok team at their headquarters. And it was like, I I was talking about my content with them, planning out different things that I can do to improve my page. And then as soon as I left the office, I hit 100,000 followers. And that was like, I mean, that was probably the moment where I was like, what? This is actually a thing. Like this is something that I can dedicate more time into instead of just a little side hobby. So they they invited you to their headquarters after you got 100,000? So what was that like when they reached out to you? How did that go about happening? It's actually a funny story. So my boyfriend uh, was a is a former Viner, and he's also a YouTube creator, Instagram and TikTok creator. And he's been creating comedy reaction videos for years. And so he was connected through the people at TikTok from when it was Musical.ly. He, a lot of the people transferred over. And uh, they invited him and I happened to be with him that day. So I asked him if I could just sit in the meeting and I just sat in the meeting and I, it was a feedback meeting and I just naturally like wanted to input my opinion. And so I got involved and I introduced myself and then they were like, okay, let's, (laughs) let's keep you in mind. And that's really, it's just so funny to think that uh, the way I first got connected with them was kind of an accident, but it's not like when you hit a certain amount of followers, they automatically invite you. It's different for everyone. Interesting. And how has that relationship with like the people at the platform itself grown over time? I would say there's no other platform that does it the way TikTok does. I truthfully like feel such an amazing connection to everyone who works there. And one thing that I feel from TikTok, maybe that's because I'm not, uh, I don't really have an audience on any other platform, but I feel how much they care for their creators. And I think they really go above and beyond to make sure that you're taken care of to make sure that if you have an issue with your app, there's a point of contact that you can reach out to immediately. Uh, there are people supporting you. If you're not sure 
if this video you should post or not, you have someone you can text and talk to immediately. And they've also just done a lot of community events for their creators, uh, whether that's like, you know, it's similar to how Instagram does Insta Beach and Insta Skate annually. They've done a lot of like, they've done a Halloween party. They did a party at VidCon. So they just do a lot of community events in order to really harvest the community of creators on TikTok. And that's just what has gravitated me so much towards the platform, feeling like I have a ton of people who I really connect with who are making the same content as me. That's really cool. What, what would be your favorite event that you've gone to uh, for TikTok so far? So through TikTok, I was invited to uh, Milan Fashion Week. So Dolce & Gabbana asked TikTok to invite me, basically. It was like, it was through TikTok, but Dolce & Gabbana invited me, but I still went with a few from the TikTok team and other TikTok creators. So in a way, I would say that considers as a TikTok event, but that was probably the craziest experience I've had uh, because of TikTok so far. That's so cool that you were able to do that just by being an influencer on the platform. Thank you. Yeah, it was really great. I mean, going from someone who was running a fashion blog out of their basement, <laughs> like writing my uh, blog posts after homework in high school to then being invited to Milan Fashion Week was such a surreal moment for me. And as I told you, my parents have been nothing but supportive, like through my fashion blog phase, through all the times where I was trying out different styles of content. So I was able to take my mom to Italy for Fashion Week. And that was just like, that was a cool experience for me to kind of say thank you and give back in a way that like, oh, you always supported me with my fashion endeavors. So now come to Milan Fashion Week with me. And we got to go backstage at the Dolce Gabbana show and meet Dolce and Gabbana, like the men behind it. And she was wow. fangirling, like it was such a cool moment. So it was just really cool to see somebody who's been so supportive through me, uh, kind of be able to give back in that way. I mean, that's amazing that you're able to give back, especially considering you're 20 years old right now, and you're already able to do that. It's so cool. So Going back to, uh, you know, becoming the TikTok influencer, do you remember uh, the specific video where you first kind of went viral and you realized, okay, you know, maybe maybe this is actually going to work out. This is going to catch on. Of course, I remember the video. <laughs> I was actually at uh, my friend Mia's house. She's also a TikTok creator, an Instagram creator. She's Mia Finney. Uh, where's me on Instagram. And I was at her house. I don't think, yeah, I think I was just at her house hanging out. And she's the one who really convinced me to download TikTok. And so we were there and we just were kind of going through, uh, I think it was really late at night and we were just feeling really creative. So we were trying to shoot as many videos as possible. And uh, I was like, th there was a song that was really big at the time called Step In by Super Duper Humble. And it went like, I don't know. I don't know. It was like a, a big trend that everyone was doing. And people were using that audio to put it in relatable situations. So we were sitting in our kitchen and I said, how about we make like an acoustic cover to the song with some glasses and like she can beatbox. So doing some beatboxing and we tried it out and it was, we played the song really low in the background. So it kind of sounded like we were hitting the right notes. And I think, uh, we both posted it on our pages. I think within an hour, uh, we posted it at 11 PM and it got like, I think half a million views almost immediately. And it was just insane. That night I went to sleep and I woke up with 20,000 followers. And that was probably when I was like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> TikTok needs to be watched. Like this is something that's a little bit more serious. So that was probably like my first video. And then from there, a lot of the videos that we filmed were me and I together, kind of like building off of uh, the relationship that everybody, everyone was like, oh, me and Cosette are friend goals. So we built off of that for a little bit and filmed a lot of videos. And now we've gotten to the point where we've been able to grow in our own ways with different styles of content. 
How big were you at the time when that video went viral? You said you got 20,000 new followers from one video. What, how many followers did you have when you did that? I think I had like three followers. <laughs> so it just goes to show that on TikTok, the thing that's so appealing to everybody is that you don't need to have a big platform to go viral. I literally had like three followers. I'm not even exaggerating. I had just started the account. I had like three followers and I posted the video and then I had 20,000 followers. So I think what is so appealing to everybody is that as opposed to on other platforms, you need to have an audience for the most part, with exceptions, of course, to have any type of success on the platform. But with TikTok, it really gives everyone an equal chance the way that the videos are served to the audience. I think that is what's really appealing about them and their algorithm is that you can see people actually become overnight successes the way you know never were able to do before. Yeah. So do you have a specific way that you come up with your content? Or is it just whenever you kind of see something that uh, appeals to you, you do it? Yeah, I would say my content kind of goes through phases in the way that when I first started out, I was doing a lot of comedy content. So just naturally, I would listen to like the lyrics and songs and Gabe and I would come up with this a lot on different uh, ways that we can insert like a skit around lyrics in a song. So that's what I really started out doing. And then I think as more opportunities came to me within the fashion world, I started catering my content more towards that because naturally it was just what I was around more. And now I do a lot of like lifestyle hack contents, uh, you know, DIY type stuff in addition to still fashion. And I mean, right now I'm going through a phase where I love science experiments, like at home DIY science experiments. So while quarantined in my house, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of those as well. But for the most part, I would say I go through creative like spurs, if that makes sense. And so I'll film like five to 10 videos in one sitting and then just schedule those out. Really? Yes. How often are you filming? Are you filming every day or is this just like once a week you go through it? While I was in school and while like before everything turned remote, I was probably filming like uh, once a week and just trying to film a ton of videos in that one in that one time a week. Or if I had brand deals, like trying to work that around my schedule. I also often collaborate with other creators in a way that we will all meet in a public place and just all shoot videos for each other's pages, which I encourage collaboration so much because of how much you can boost each other's pages up. And it's just something new for your followers to see. So on those collaborate, collaboration days, I'll also have a ton of content queued up from those. But as of right now, I set a goal for myself that I, I'm posting one TikTok a day. So every few days, I'll film like five videos and then just have those scheduled out. But I've never filmed more videos than I am right now. <laughs> that makes sense. How long does it typically take you to do one video? How much filming goes into that? It all depends on the intensity of the video. I would say for the most part, a lot of my videos are transition based. And so that requires a little bit heavier editing than, I mean, TikTok in app offers a lot of different editing features, but there are some times where I want it to be really precise. And so I'll pull it into Final Cut. But for the most part, my videos usually uh, to film probably about like 10 minutes and to edit another 10, 15 minutes. So a pretty quick turnaround for the most of them. But then of course, there have been a little bit more elaborate videos for brand deals where I'll go around and shoot on location and then the editing will be a little bit more demanding. But for the most part, I don't like to put too much like time and effort into my videos as counterproductive as that seems because TikTok is so raw and authentic and I always want to stay true to that. I think everybody's style is different. But for me, the second it starts feeling too produced is when I feel like I'm losing what I came on there for. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's a good way to think about it. 
Do you have a favorite piece of content that you've created? I'm sure it's hard to choose. I have a series that I probably like the most. So there was, I believe the first video that I made was at, uh, the first video from this series was at the Glendale Galleria. And I basically went into multiple different public places and I had Gabe film me walking backwards in a crowd. And then I took that video into editing and I reversed the clip to make it look like everyone around me was walking backwards. And that video just did insanely well. And people really, really liked the idea. People were trying to figure out, I said in the caption something like, oh, I convinced everyone to walk backwards and everyone believed it. So from there, I I was at Disneyland and I filmed another backwards video. And then when I went to New York, I filmed another backwards video. So that's kind of like whenever I'm on a fun trip, I just filmed one in Italy. Whenever I'm on a fun trip, I like throwing that in there because it's those. I love those styles of videos that really make people want to watch it again. And it's kind of trippy to look at. So the, those are probably the ones that I'm the most proud of. That's funny. I haven't seen any of those before. I'll have to send it to you. I have a list of things to send Aaron. <laughs> All right. Uh, maybe, you'll, maybe you'll spark that trend and everyone will start doing it too. <laughs> yeah. So tell me a little bit more about the business side of it. Do you remember the first brand that approached you on TikTok? Or was it more like with the fashion blog where you were reaching out to everyone? So I would say on TikTok, it wasn't as much of like me having to reach out to a ton of brands at first because I saw a lot of success early on. So also being connected with TikTok gave me a lot of opportunities through brands. But a little bit of a, a business background for you. I, I worked at Hintwater as a performance marketing intern my freshman year of college summer. And that was probably like my first uh, experience to working on the brand side of things and working with influencers as a brand. And that was really valuable to me. And then through there, um, my boss there was named Nick Sharma. He's an absolute genius. He's my mentor, one of my closest friends. And he really took me under his wing and taught me everything that he knows. I mean, he's like the smartest person that I know. Forbes 30 and a 30, like works with Gary Vee. Like he's in all, in every way a boss. And so he uh, helps me a lot with my brand deals and like knowing how to navigate all that. I don't think I would have really had the same success in terms of brand deals if I didn't have someone to kind of coach me through it. Because as much as I am able to communicate with brands very effectively, I think it always helps to have somebody fend on behalf of you. But I would say I, I probably had the most amount of brands reach out to me like the first wave when I had around 100 to 200,000 followers. At that time, it was before I really asked anyone for help. And I didn't know what to charge. So at around like, 100, 200,000 followers, I was like, Oh, yeah, you can give me 50 bucks for a post. Like I had no idea. And nobody knew the value in TikTok yet. So everybody, I mean, even if you ask for more money, brands were very hesitant. They're like, well, we can't prove that TikTok is doing anything. So we don't want to spend our money on you. Like we can send you a free pair of shoes. And we're like, okay. <laughs> so it was a lot of like, in the way that for blogging, I reached out to a lot of brands for free deals at first. I think it was important to build up some type of portfolio for myself before I reached out to like too many bigger brands. So I was doing a lot of smaller, small deals in the beginning to have a portfolio of work so that when bigger brands came to me, I would be able to send them TikTok examples of past collaborations. But for the most part, uh, right now I have my email and my TikTok bio. So I do get a really high volume of brands reaching out to me, which is why it's nice to have somebody to help out. I'm not currently signed. Uh, right now, for the most part, I'm trying to stay independent, but it is obviously something that a lot of TikTok creators are getting involved in as everybody is swarming to TikTok for these brand deals. How many would you say reach out to you on a given day? So emails, I probably get around like 100 a day, but that's because 
A lot of them are fans emailing me because my email is in my bio. Uh, but I mean, there's no way around that. I, I need it in my bio in order for brands to find me. I would say in terms of like brands, I probably get five to 10 different brands a day. Um, and so that is like, a, a lot of them are like smaller brands that uh, aren't really what I'm aligned with. So for that, I have like a standard response saying not interested, but then there are brands where I'll continue the conversation. It's really just a matter of like, while I have a lot of brands reaching out to me, I still want to stay as authentic as possible with my audience and make sure I'm not promoting anything that's against my beliefs. So I'm very, very particular with that. But yeah, I mean, I get a lot of random followers emailing me like, I love you, please respond to this. And so it's, I love seeing those emails, but it's sometimes difficult to be able to catch the brand deal, like, you know, the brand deal, serious emails among all of those. What percent of the brand deals would you say that you respond to as opposed to don't respond uh, to? And also, uh, do you respond to all the followers as well or just, you know, whenever you can? I respond to every single brand email and every single song deal email, uh, even if I'm not interested. Uh, even if it's something that like I'm not interested in at all, I will still respond to let them know like, thank you. I'll keep your contact for the future, but I'm not really interested at this moment. I think it's just important to like build those relationships even if you're not interested, you never know who that person is going to be down the line. Because a lot of people obviously like switch from brands to agencies, and it's the same person that's reaching out to you from different deals. So it's so important to like, you know, treat everybody with kindness and make sure you're always getting back to everybody. But as far as fan emails, I've never responded to a fan via email, because I don't want them to know that it's okay to email me because that's really my business side. I'll respond to fans through live streams, TikTok comments, Instagram DMs, Instagram comments. But yeah, I, I definitely do not uh, promote people emailing me through my email. It's <laughs> interesting. That's good Good for you for uh, making sure that you respond to everyone. That's got to be super time consuming. Uh, but you're right that you're not going to know where people end up. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, you know, some of your favorite business deals you've worked on, uh, what that was like for you, and then maybe also uh, what kind of results the company got out of that. Yeah, I mean, I would say probably the most exciting deals that I've done have been with the higher end fashion brands that I've recently worked with. So I uh, I went to Milan with Dolce & Gabbana. I did Balmain, like the Balmain partner with Cara Delevingne for a Puma launch. And so I worked with Puma and Balmain on that and I got to meet Cara Delevingne. And then I also went to New York Fashion Week and worked with multiple brands there, like Alice and Olivia, Anna Sui. I, I went to like almost every single fashion show and I got to meet the designers afterwards. So that was like, I would say just the high fashion deals are something that has been so surreal for me because as growing up in the fashion industry, I would have never thought that someone who just started making videos out of their bedroom would actually have an opportunity to like, you know, meet Dolce & Gabbana <laughs> backstage in Milan. So that that has been probably one of the most like, close to home categories of deals that I've done. Uh, I, I just think like any of the traveling opportunities that I've done have been really, really cool for me because I grew up traveling a lot with my family. But when I got to college and like high school, it was kind of put on pause just because I was busy with a lot of other things. So it's cool to be able to, uh, you know, just like travel because of my TikTok content and be able to take my parents on those opportunities. So like I mentioned, I took my mom to Italy and then I just took my dad to Miami. I did a deal with Levi's and it was, I mean, he was like, Oh, can I pay for this? I'm like, no, like <laughs> it's okay. I got it. And it's like really cool to be able to provide that for your parents. I think those are the moments that really make them realize how serious it is. And as much as like TikTok was hard for everyone in my life to take seriously in the beginning, 
now it's getting to a point where I'm like, okay, well, you guys like we're making fun of TikTok, but now let me take you to Miami and let me take you to Italy. And it puts everyone's mind in a different perspective. Like my mom, as much as she always tried to understand TikTok beforehand, she never understood it. Same with my dad. They were just like, what is going on? And then I was able to take them on these trips. And after this, like they're both now posting on TikTok every day. They take it so seriously. They understand it so much more. So I think just like being able to see me in action, communicating with these brands has helped them a lot. But yeah, as far as my favorite brand deal, I just think all the high fashion deals that I've done have been really, really cool. Yeah, that's amazing that they're kind of flying you out there and that you've gotten to do all this already. Can you tell us what that kind of looks like, you know, from like the actual post perspective and, you know, what what some of the brand results have come from something like, you know, the Levi deal or some of these high fashion brands? Can you walk us through that a little? Yeah. um, I mean, everybody has different results. I I would say like, for the most part, brands have gotten really positive results from TikTok because it's so new and there's such a new audience to tap into on TikTok. So, I mean, there's a reason why brands keep coming back and wanting to work with more creators is because they're seeing good results. In terms of the logistics standpoint, again, with every deal, it's kind of different. I mean... Like for New York, there was a certain amount of posts that we were doing every day for these deals. And then, you know, uh, yeah, for every trip, it looks a little bit different, but those are all terms that are typically negotiated beforehand. So I can figure out what posts make the most sense for me. Okay, this is, and tying an Instagram to a lot of it. So I can post one TikTok post and then X amount of Instagram stories and X amount of Instagram posts. So every brand is looking for something a little bit different. And also in terms of TikTok posts, some brands are looking to drive awareness. Some brands are looking to drive sales. So catering every deal in what their marketing efforts are catered towards is also just really important. I'm always so transparent with the brands, especially if it's a smaller company. I just try to do something in in a way that every brand, like every side is happy. So if I post something that I'm kind of taking a chance on, I mean, I've, I've done deals with companies where they want something very specific. And then I'm like, okay, but can I try out something that I think might work better? And I'll say to them, listen, you wanted me to do something specific. And I always respect that you guys are the boss, but can you let me try this? And if it doesn't work, I will still for free do what you wanted me to do just to like make you guys happy. But uh, every time I've done that, the results of what I did ended up being better than what like the shot by shot layout that they gave me would have been. So I, I think every every brand is it's still so new for all the brands, so they don't really know. And a lot of brands kind of lean into the creator to give the creative freedom, which is really refreshing. But yeah, I've had brands come to me and they're like, okay, here's our budget. We don't know what, what video looks like on TikTok. We don't know what will work best, but we trust you. And those are probably like the most successful deals is when they kind of instill their trust in you. Because at the end of the day, you nobody knows your audience better than you. Absolutely. And I think it's super important uh, for the creator to have creative control because ultimately they understand what's going to work a lot more um, than the brand does because they don't know the platform, they don't know you, they don't know your following. So I definitely agree with that. So you've had a lot of people, it sounds like uh, your boyfriend has helped you out a lot. Um, it sounds like your mentor at Hint helped you out a lot. Is there someone who has, you would say, helped you out the most along your journey that you wouldn't be where you are uh, without them? Oh man, I... I mean, everybody has been so supportive. There's been different stages of my life where I think different people played a key role. So during my fashion blogging days, it was definitely my mom who, I mean, she would have cooked dinner for everybody, work a full day, 
like have a full day of activities. And then at 11 PM, when I'm done with my homework, I would have a million outfits and she would still go do a full photo shoot of me. So I don't, I don't know how she did it. I don't know how she put up with me in hindsight, but uh, yes, she like has definitely been a key player from the beginning and I'll never forget that. Uh, And then moving on to my internship days, Nick Sharma was really the person who he believed in me so much, even when I didn't know. I mean, I would go to these huge meetings with executives with him and I would be the note taker and I would sit there. I remember the first meeting I went on with him. I made a goal to write down every like acronym or phrase that I didn't understand that someone in the room said. And by the end of the day, I had pages filled up. And that night I went home and I sat down and I Googled every single phrase and made sure I had it memorized for the next meeting. So he was really the person like in that phase of my life that has, and I mean, he's continued to play such a key role in that side, but he really believed. And I mean, my parents were just able to meet him for the first time. I spoke at on a panel at Adweek in New York and I invited them all to come uh, see the panel. And it was the first time my parents were meeting Nick Sharma in person for the first time, which was so crazy because he's played such a big role in my life. And my parents know that. So I just remember like my, my dad is this very serious German man. And he went up to Nick for the first time and shook his hand and said, thank you for everything that you've done for my daughter. So that was like really cool to see. But so my, my mom, Nick, and then at this phase in my life with my TikTok content, I mean, Gabe has been through this for so long with Vine. So he has been, I mean, even when I'm not motivated to make content, he makes sure like he really keeps me on top of it in terms of shooting content, making sure I'm happy with things. Very easy early on to get obsessed with the numbers, but he's really kept me grounded because like I said, he's really been through everything that I'm going through. He's been through with Vine. So having somebody with the experience there to kind of coach me through it as well has helped me so much. So I would say like, those are probably the three main people in different phases of my life that have helped me. There's not like one person that I can credit everything to, if that makes sense. No, that's a great answer. And I think you probably do a really good job of surrounding yourself with these types of people who are helping you. So you doing what you do, I'm sure you get a lot of chance to meet very interesting people that most people wouldn't get a chance to. Is there anyone who has stood out to you as kind of maybe the most interesting person you've met or some of the most interesting people you've met? Could you tell maybe a story about that? I think probably one of the coolest experiences. So I uh, shot with Sway Lee a couple months ago to promote his new song with Drake. And that was an opportunity that I was connected to with TikTok. So I personally didn't know a lot about Sway Lee beforehand, but as terrible as it is, I had this kind of like pre like uh, connotation about just like rappers. And I was like, oh, he's probably just going to sit there and not really be that engaged with it. And I, it's not like I was a huge, like crazy fan. I didn't really know much about him, which is, I think what helped me like not be starstruck, but I went with a couple other creators and I met him at a studio and that was like, it was such a cool experience because he was so down to earth and willing to shoot anything. And I think just like putting creators in a room where they met, like where they meet such an influential artist and then are able to shoot with them was something that was like definitely very eye opening for me. And yeah, it was just a really cool experience because I went in kind of with this like idea that he was, he was going to just, you know, be like, whatever, let's just shoot videos. But he sat there and he's like, let's go through everyone's ideas and let's make it happen. I don't care what you guys make me do. I'll look like an absolute fool. I don't care. Like, I just, I'm down here to have fun with you guys. And that was, it was just so cool because, you know, people are starting to warm up to the idea of TikTok and you see so many artists coming to TikTok now, like Marshmello, Alicia Keys, Jason Derulo, they're all swarming to TikTok and working with creators. 
And not only like, I mean, the difference between all these celebrities on TikTok is that some of them just go on to like self-promote and they're just promoting like, you know, their music and professionally shot videos. And then the creators or the celebrities that are really successful are the ones that are playing into the TikTok trends and collaborating with creators that are native to the app. So yeah, I mean, that was probably like, not like one of the people who I've been the most starstruck to meet, but it was one of the coolest experiences just because of how open he was to shoot anything. Yeah, that's really cool. And I definitely think you're right. Like the whole music industry is being taken by storm because, you know, anyone can almost overnight be a sensation on TikTok. Have you ever seen that? Do you have any experience like where you've just kind of seen, you know, maybe a smaller time artist and then they just kind of blew up through TikTok? I mean, Old Town Road, Roxanne, those were all songs that like, I saw one of the first videos with those audios and I was like, oh, this is a cool song. And then almost overnight, it was like the top song on the charts. And there's just like, I mean, if an artist is not on TikTok already, I think it's such a, you know, it's such common sense for artists to be on TikTok. There have been so many crazy experiences with artists blowing up. I mean, there's uh, one artist, Benny, and she has a song Super Lonely right now. And I saw it like in the very early stages of TikTok and then everybody was using her audio. And now she's like, her song is everywhere. It's crazy. But probably one of the most notable experiences have been with my friend 24K Golden. He used to go to USC and he's a rapper, so talented. And I've known him for a couple of years now. So he's been releasing music for a while, but he wanted to try out TikTok. And so he commissioned me to use his song in one of my videos. And we both live at Lorenzo. We both live at Lorenzo. So I said, okay, uh, meet me in the arcade in like, I don't know what it was like 30 minutes. And so we just met down there and I had this really loose idea like, oh, uh, let me just pretend like I see you in public. Like, let's just, you just play basketball and I'll just record as if I'm seeing you in public. And so we just did this silly video. It probably took five minutes of his time. And then I shot the rest on my own. And I think that video has like 26 million views. And although the song was already uh, like slightly big on TikTok, that video just completely shot it to new levels. And after that, a lot of, because what a lot of creators do is when they see a video performing well, they'll often use that same audio to see if it will have any effect on their video. So that I think inspired a lot of creators to use that same song. And it just had a snowball effect of this song blowing up even more on TikTok. And I remember when he, when he met up with me, he had just started TikTok. I think he had like a hundred followers and he said, I don't, I don't just want my, my song to be big on TikTok. I want to be big on TikTok. I want to be a TikTok creator. And I think that's probably the best approach that any artist can take. And I said, okay, well, let's make it happen. If you want to be a TikTok creator, I'll also tag you in this video and hopefully it will help. He got like, I think like 10,000 followers overnight from it. And now he just hit a million. So it's, I mean, he has seen so much success on TikTok. And I think having such like early success with early deals has really helped him have the confidence in it to keep going. But now he's like a TikTok creator in itself and he's been crushing it. So it's just so cool to see that. Well, that's awesome that you were kind of able to help jumpstart his career, uh, you know, through the use of your own platform. I mean, I... I don't take credit for it at all. He like very much had a career before it. But I do think that like working with other creators and that video did so well, it definitely like helped give that song like a second life on TikTok. And from there, it just like blew up even more. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he had to be talented in his own right, but it definitely was an assist uh, to be able to get it to blow up like that. Do you get other artists who reach out to you for, you know, trying to get their songs to blow up? Yeah, I probably get like about uh, 10, 15 emails a week of just song promos. And there are a few companies by now that I've worked with on like reoccurrent deals. 
that work with artists and they have this like bank of TikTok creators, Flighthouse being one of them. Uh, they like have artists come to them and then they can reach out to creators and have like a set rate deal with them. But I do have a lot of artists reach out to me, some of them bigger and uh, some of them are like very small creators or artists that are trying to start out. So I really, I mean, I, I listen to every single song that comes through. And if I really like the song and it's a smaller creator, I'll try. Like I said, I always want everyone to be happy. So I don't mind doing it for a smaller rate if it means helping them out and hopefully being able to help their song on TikTok. But if I get it, I mean, I'm very truthful with my brand on TikTok. And if the song has like a single curse word in it, <laughs> I'll be like, this isn't a good fit for my page. So I never want to get to the point where I'm posting songs that I do not like on my page in order for like to receive a commission. I think that's really important to stay true to. But I, I definitely try to help out as much as possible because at the end of the day, I mean, you're just putting the song in the backgrounds. A lot of times they just want the song in the background of any random videos. So it's really easy for a creator to do many times, unless you're building an entire skit around it. But there's been, especially in the recent months, a lot of interest for song integration deals. Yeah, I'm seeing that more and more too. Like, I feel like that's how artists are wanting to kind of jumpstart their career, especially if they're struggling. Like there's a new way to do that and it's TikTok. And it's pretty cool to see how that's, you know, coming into play, really changing the music industry. So obviously you love your life and what you're doing, uh, but I thought it might be fun to see if you could trade lives with any influencer for one year, just for one year, and then go back to being Cosette. Uh, would- I would say, so one thing that I've always uh, really wanted to get my career to is being able to build out multiple like mediums of creativity. So I really... Uh, I'm really inspired by creators like Bethany Moda, Amanda Steele, James Charles, who started on one platform like YouTube and were able to build out clothing lines, makeup lines, like a million different things under their entity. And so I would say I would probably love to trade lives with one of those creators. Maybe James Charles at this point because of how many people he's collaborating with. But I just think it's so cool that he got to the point where I mean, he has an insanely successful merch line. He has an insanely successful makeup line. He has a team of people working under him and able to support him in that way. So yeah, I would, I, would, I usually say Bethany Moda for this type of question, but I've been watching a lot of James Charles videos lately. And I just think he's such a boss and like what these creators are able to do. Even Jessica Alba, I mean, she started as an actress and she has The Honest Company and like her name is on a million different uh, mediums and verticals now. So that's what my ultimate goal is to be not only like Cosette from TikTok, but Cosette on Instagram, YouTube, her clothing line, her jewelry. I mean, I had a jewelry line when I was like 14. I would love to take that a little bit more seriously. So my answer is James Charles. No, that's a good answer. And I think it's always good to try and, you know, diversify yourself and do a bunch of different things because you never know what the future holds and what's going to be there. What other platforms are you using quite a bit besides TikTok? TikTok's your main one. TikTok is really my main one and the one that I put the most time and effort into. It's also the one where I feel most like myself on, but Instagram is definitely like my secondary platform, although that's really where I started out doing social media. Most of my Instagram followers at this point follow my TikTok as well. So I just try to have that as like a fun place to provide a different style of content. I think as much as it's fun to share your like TikTok videos cross-platform and post them on Instagram... I want people to be coming to my Instagram for something a little bit different. So that's why I mean, everybody goes to different platforms for different things. So my Instagram provides more like 
you know, fun, colorful photos. My TikTok provides more fun, colorful videos. And then, I mean, I, I have a Twitter. I, I haven't been posting on it very much. It's, it's very small because my account was deleted. So I just had to start a new account. But from there, I am trying to post more like sides, like business side of things, because a lot of people who follow me on there are not necessarily like younger followers, but they are people within the business industry. And so I try to like, you know, provide more business side and TikTok tips on my Twitter. I post a lot of TikTok tips and press on my LinkedIn as well. And then, I mean, I just uploaded a YouTube video yesterday for the first time in like so long. And YouTube is not something that I have the time to dedicate right now to, but I would love to eventually, as I said, just building out my name on different platforms. I don't have the time right now, but with quarantine, it's definitely like the most time that I've had in a while. So I figured why not? I mean, I filmed a video for my class, literally like my PR assignment for USC was to make a video based around the quarantine. And so I did a video on five different ways to stay entertained during the quarantine. And I was like, well, might as well post this on YouTube as well. So why not? But uh, yeah, TikTok's really my main thing. Then I would say Instagram and then LinkedIn and Twitter are more just fun, like for my enjoyment as well. That's very cool. You know, YouTube might be cool for you to get into. Do you have any um, aspirations to maybe go into acting one day? Or would you just love to be a just social media star? I, like I mentioned, I did a lot of modeling and acting growing up. So I've done like a few small guest star roles on shows. And then I did a lot of commercial acting growing up. I would say as of right now, I really want to build out my personal, my personal brand. Acting was never really a big passion for me. It was more of just something that I was trying out. Um, and I mean, I give a lot of credit to actors. I could never do it. I, I cannot stay serious for the life of me, but I would love to build my audience to the point where I can be like guest starring in some type of small role in a movie as myself. I mean, David Dobrik was like in the Angry Birds movie for one line. And you see like a lot of these creators pop up. I just seen was in the wedding ringer, like pop up for small scenes in movies just because they're recognized for who they are. So if anything, as far as acting, I would want to be like getting to a point like Liza Koshy, for example, where I'm in projects because of my brands. No, that's a good idea. I think that's cool that you kind of just want to be yourself and not act as other people. Um, so you've obviously had a lot of success with this. Could you tell me maybe about a failure that you had and you know how that set you up to be successful in the future? Obviously, everybody has failures in their career. And I've, I've had a lot of them since first starting social media. But I would say probably one of the most telling moments for me was I worked with a hair company and uh, similar to what I mentioned before, they wanted a very like clear cut idea of a TikTok video. And so they gave me like a very specific outline. And I asked them, can I please just try something on my own? And they were really, really persistent on having this like very production, like commercial looking video. And so we did a two video deal and I did one that was more in their style, like, you know, with a ring light in front of a white wall. And then I did a more organic post where I was just in my bathroom with a towel and like, it was just a handheld phone, selfie video, making funny videos, like making funny faces. And so those were two like contrasting videos that I did for the same company. And they were like, we really want this professionally shot one. And I said to them, can I just try out this fun one? And if it doesn't do well, I'll still do a recreation of the other one. And uh, so that was like, I wouldn't say it was as much of a failure as much as it was like really having to convince them that I knew what I was talking about. And then the video that I wanted to go with, the more organic looking one, 
performed like significantly better than the professionally shot one. And as hard as it was for like a company that's so renowned to admit, they're like, okay, okay, we see what you're doing. Like you can keep that one up. But I think it's like just in the beginning, it's a lot of trial and error in terms of convincing brands to do certain videos. And brands are definitely getting a lot more comfortable with it now. But a lot of times you're really defending yourself and trying to convince them, which is, it's really difficult, especially when you're a younger creator and you have to kind of uh, defend why you know or why you think this is a good idea. Yeah, it definitely is tough, especially when, um, you know, you're not used to dealing with brands. You can be a little intimidated, I'm sure. Uh, Do you still get a lot of pushback from brands? Is, Is there any time where like you just have to give in and do it their way? Or will you always just try and, you know, make sure that you do something you know will resonate. Recently, it's been a lot better because I think brands are just getting a better uh, feel for what works on TikTok. And they're starting to understand more that it's really the creator knows it best. But even so, I've had a lot of brands, uh, one of which actually we spoke about in your <laughs> in your father's class that will not be named. But I, had a, I do have some brands occasionally reach out that have a really, really specific idea of what they want. And I will always warn them beforehand if it does happen, okay, I will do it your way, but I don't think it's going to perform as well. And it never does. When it's like a one minute long video that's not, you know, I mean, my TikTok is like short, fun, colorful videos. When it's a one minute long video of me standing in front of the camera, shooting a shot, showing like X amount of product shots, like I, I will get lists sometimes of companies shot by shot what they need. And I understand that like it's sometimes a formula that works well for the brand, but not everything works. Like what works well on Instagram might not work well on TikTok. So I have companies that come to me and they're like, okay, but this is the formula that's worked with us for like 10 years. I'm like, okay, but I think that TikTok might be different. Can I try something? And they're like, uh, no, we just, this is what we want to do. And I'm like, okay. And then it just doesn't perform as well. And then they lose faith in TikTok because of that one video. So there's still brands, but I think that a lot more now brands are warming up to the idea. And the brands that at least see the most success on TikTok are the ones that are able to give more creative control to the creators. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've noticed that too. Some people, are, I think, like to overplan too. So I think a lot of these brands have you know, a formula that they think works and they don't trust influencers. They're just kind of using the influencers as a medium. Um, but I think that it's pretty obvious especially on TikTok, which is just a brand new medium, that that doesn't work as well. So I wanted to move a little away from just your TikTok uh, career and kind of find a little out a little bit more, you know, about you and some of the stuff that you do to be successful. Do you have any morning rituals or stuff that you do every day, you know, just to help you out? Yeah, I mean, as I'm still a student, I every day looks different for me. When I'm at school, obviously right now we're in a different situation, but when I'm at school, my classes start at different times every day. I also keep all my classes through Monday through Wednesday so that when I have these opportunities to travel with brands, I'm able to accept them. So really like, I mean, for the most part, what my schedule has looked like up until now is class Monday through Wednesday and then Thursday through Sunday going to North Hollywood to Gabe's house because we have a studio set up and it's just a lot easier to film than my current apartment setup. But every day really looks different. If I have specific videos to film, I'll, I'm very, very like, I'm an avid list maker. So I have lists everywhere, lists of videos to film, lists of the shots that I need for these videos. That's one way that I keep myself organized and just, uh, you know. Staying on task, motivated. You're- yeah, motivated. Like 
that's just one way that I keep myself motivated um, and on task. So lists are a big thing. Most of the times I shoot my videos outside whenever I can, just because having a change of scenery is nice. Like as much as, I mean, I, I used to film a lot in front of a white wall and I recently got, I got a bulletin board paper from Michael's and I taped it to my wall to make it look like a background <laughs> because I'm just like, I like to change up my surroundings as much as possible. And I don't like every video to look the same, but I wouldn't say like, I'm not one of those people who wakes up at 5am every morning, drinks a cup of coffee, does yoga, meditates. Like that's definitely not me. I, I get lots of sleep. I also stay up really late editing a lot of the times. And I like having a chill morning. Like I definitely, when I'm in my video mode, I will shoot as many videos as possible. Yesterday I woke up uh, at around like 8am and I was on my friend Nick Tangora's Instagram live doing an interview with him. And then from that, like I was in video mode and I think I shot 10 videos yesterday alone. And so I would say like as much as rituals and routines work for some people, for me, it's like the most random thing ever. Yeah. I mean, that makes everyone has a, you know, a method to their madness for sure. Whose content would you say that you listen to, watch or read the most? So this can be books, this can be YouTube videos, podcasts. I'm just kind of curious as to what content kind of inspires you. You would think that I watch a lot of like videos that are super similar to my content, but that is not the case. I love, I mean, I do love watching fashion videos, but oddly enough, one of the types of videos that I love watching the most are apartment tours and house tours. I just love, I don't know, I'm just obsessed with interior design. And so I love watching like apartment tours, how people decorate their places. And then also thrift finds like fashion bloggers on YouTube. I just like that's fashion's been something that I've been really passionate about for a while. So I've definitely stuck to that and watched a lot of those videos. But as getting more into TikTok, there are a lot of like TikTok fashion creators that I really love watching like Taylor Hage, uh, Brittany Xavier. And just like in the recent months, there's been a huge uprising of fashion creators on TikTok that I love watching. Do you have an influencer that has inspired you the most? Is there someone you look up to the most in, it doesn't necessarily need to be TikTok, but it can be, but in any, you know, social media platform? Honestly, I don't think that there's one creator that I think inspires me the most. I think that there are a few like key creators that have inspired me along the way. So like Alyssa Lynch has, she's a lifestyle fashion creator on Instagram. I followed her for so many years and I love her content. Uh, Helen Owen, like that whole group of like very sustainable, like beautiful lifestyle <laughs> influences on Instagram. But I wouldn't say that there's one, if I were to describe my Instagram or my TikTok page, there isn't like one creator that's inspired after. I think it's kind of drawn from uh, all the different creators that I've seen over the years. And uh, obviously you have to incorporate yourself into that as well. So my next question is, what uh, is your favorite purchase of like $100 or less that you've made? And this can be kind of either related to TikTok that it's helped you out or just in anything in life that you think people should know about and that you recommend? That is a good question. I would say my dear ring light. <laughs> I use my ring light for everything. And I think it was like $80. It was like really cheap for what it is. And I mean, if you are a TikTok creator, or you're just trying to film any content. I think having a good light is so important and ring lights are just so compact and easy to use. I mean, I'm looking at my ring light right now. <laughs> I, have, I have like two ring lights and they're in different rooms, but I think like that is probably one of the staple things that I always recommend when people are starting out with videos because lighting is everything. And 
some people have like full studio setups, with millions of lights, and all you need is a ring light, really. Like that's the staple thing that I got really early on, and it has not failed me once. Well, that's super cool that, you know, you don't need hundreds of dollars worth of equipment to kind of have the type of lighting to make you an influencer. It's interesting to know. That's the thing. Like a lot of people think that you need, I mean, oh, you can make really good videos because you have this space. You can make, because you have probably have all this amazing equipment. And I tell people this ring light is like $80. I understand that that's not super cheap for many people, but save up. Like if you're really serious about making videos, all you need is the ring light and like maybe a phone stand. And that's, that's really all that you need in order to, there's no excuse to like not be making good videos if you really want to, because I mean, if you can't afford a ring light, natural light, like there's the thing with TikTok is that you can use like, it's not in terms of Instagram. There's a lot of these beauty fashion bloggers who have full shoots for the perfect shot. But on Instagram, it's so raw and organic already that there's no excuse for you to be making videos. If you just keep pushing off an excuse, like some people are like, oh, I want to make videos, but I don't have this, but I don't have time for this. TikTok videos could take like 30 seconds to make if you really wanted to. So there's really no excuse. Yeah, my, my little sister just bought one. So she's, uh, she's hoping that'll help her TikTok career <laughs> take off. But definitely levels the playing field. Like you said, you, all you need is the ring light and you only had three followers um, when you first went viral. Um, so obviously, you know, COVID-19 has thrown a wrench into probably pretty much everyone's plans, but I'd still love to know if you have any goals for, uh, you know, the rest of 2020. Obviously, it's a very, very difficult situation for people to navigate. And I think that as a creator, it's like so important to be mindful and sensitive when speaking about those issues. But I, at the same time, I think that if any career is not too negatively impacted, it's social media creators, which is so ironic because a lot of people are always kind of like, uh, you know, speaking about social media creators as if like, it's not a real job. And now social media creators are actually one of the only, I mean, speaking from my perspective are one of the only jobs that you can still be making an income off of by just being home um, and not having to be in an office. As far as my goals, like I said, I'm really trying to push myself to be posting once a day on TikTok, just because I have all this time, I might as well be, it just also allows me to experiment with different styles of content and try to do different styles of content that maybe I didn't have time for before. Uh, as far as other goals, I think like a two-year goal would really to be trying to get more into YouTube. But right now, it's just like not my priority. It's definitely something that I want to do further down the line, though. But my immediate goal, besides posting once a day on TikTok, is to really try to push my Instagram more and push more TikTok followers over to my Instagram, just so that I have some type of like buffer in terms of, you know, you never know when a platform is going to shut down. And I think TikTok has a very long lived life ahead of it. But you saw what happened with Vine, like you really never know. And so I think it's important to protect your ground. And in case anything were to happen, all you're following is not just dependent on one platform. Yeah. And you never know also when like an algorithm change can kind of hit you hard or, you know, there's just a lot of unknown in this world. It's so unpredictable with social media. How about five years for you? What, what would you love to be doing in five years from now? And this can be not just social media related, but any, anything. Where do you see yourself? Within five years, I'll be out of school by then for a couple of years. After college, I 
really want to focus on my social media career and take it even more seriously because as much as I take it very seriously right now, it's obviously still difficult while you're still in school to balance all of it. I, I say yes to a lot of travel opportunities, but there's also a lot that I have to say no to because I have an exam that I have to take or I have to attend this class. And school will always be a priority for me. I've been raised with the mindset that school always comes first. And so I will never like, you know, I will always put school as a priority when working with brands. So I think that when I leave school, I'll be able to focus a lot more on saying yes to those opportunities. As far as five years from now, I really hope that I have other platforms built out and uh, a larger audience to the point where I can start developing some type of like, I don't want to say empire, but some type of brand like James Charles, Bethany Moda, Amanda Steele that I mentioned, where they have different... uh, sources of and mediums of creativity that they can harvest. So I would love in five years to be, you know, having a YouTube bigger audience on Instagram, maybe have some type of merch line, whatever that may be. Uh, Yeah, I just really want to like keep growing this and make it more of like the way that James Charles has his sister squad. Like, (laughs) I want to have a fan base that really feels like a community. That's a great answer. When you say you want your own merch line, would you want to start out like a Cosette merch line? Or would you want to kind of partner with an existing one? At this point, I've had a lot of like merch brands reach out to me because a lot of merch brands are looking into working with TikTokers. At this point right now, it's not, I'm not at the point where I want to immediately do a merch line just because quite frankly, like I'm one of those people who's like, I mean, I'll get on the phone with a merch company and I'll be like, what if I don't sell anything though? (laughs) Like, I'm just not, I don't have the confidence yet to be doing that. But down the line, I would love to have a merch line that represents not necessarily with my name on my face, but uh, represents the message that I represent something about positivity and something about when someone sees that sweater or shirt, they know that it's me. Like how James Charles has a sister line. Danny Duncan has his like specific merch line that's sold at Zoomies. And uh, yeah, I would love that. I mean, it would also be amazing to have the way that Bethany Moda partnered with Aeropostale for her clothing line or Amanda Steele has her own clothing line right now uh, called Steel. So, and it's more of like a fashion forward brand as, as opposed to like logo shirts. So I would love that as well, just because I've been, I'm not like an amazing clothing designer, but I've been very passionate about fashion. So I think the merch line would come first and then working with a company on a clothing line would come a little bit after that. Well, that's super cool. I hope that all works out for you down the line. I mean, they're cool. I I think it's so important to set goals uh, because if you don't manifest it and you don't speak it into an existence, you'll never get it done. So these are all like what right now seems like very unrealistic goals for me, but they are my my very uh, long-term goals. I mean, this all sounds realistic to me. I mean, two years ago, you couldn't have even imagined being in this spot that you are now. You probably didn't even know TikTok. So yeah, it's cool. <laughs> my last question for you is uh, what advice would you give to someone who kind of was just getting started uh, and they wanted to be exactly like you, what would you tell them? I would say to not be exactly like me because the way that you stand out is to really have your own uh, unique twist. I, I think there are a lot of creators who are kind of carbon copies of each other because they see that this formula works really well on this creator. So let me just recreate it and I'll have the same success. But it's so important to have something that stands out to you. And what I always say to creators first starting out is to try literally every single style of video, try a dance video, try a singing video, try a comedy video, try a fashion video. Even if you're only passionate about one thing, you never know until you try. I mean, I I started out just doing comedy videos 
and trying all different styles of content over the months, over the year uh, has been able to bring me and still uh, my content is evolving every day. But if you're not uh, really experimenting with the styles of content, you're never going to find what works for you. So I always tell people to shoot as much as possible in as many different styles as possible. And just not to be, uh, just be, be open-minded about the content that you're shooting. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time today, Cosette. You have an amazing story. It's pretty cool to see how you've been able to rise to fame so quickly. And, you know, everything that's come, it just kind of shows what's possible in today's day and age. And I really appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. And uh, good luck with everything that's going on right now. Thank you. You too. Thanks, Cosette. Bye. And that was Hunting Influence. To find out more about Influence Hunter and how we source micro and nano influencers to exponentially grow the reach of your brand, visit InfluenceHunter.com. And then make sure to search for Hunting Influence in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Influence Hunter, thanks for listening.